The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Duval, inside the Gen Jag podcast. Jordan DeLugo and UCF Jaguar here with you for a training camp edition of the show. We'll be talking heavily about training camp and all that's been going on over the last week, over the last six practices. And of course, we'll take a look at some news and notes before we get to training camp talk. And we might just talk about Fred Taylor and Tony Baselli, which player is the greatest Jaguar of all time in our minds. Shout out to sponsors, Bold City Brewery. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And you can check out their tap rooms in downtown on East Bay Street or in Riverside on Roselle. Dalton, how are we doing today? Hey, yo, Duval. We in the building right now. We podcasting. We're in training camp mode. Very excited to be in preseason mode, which is just a week away. And like I, like I say every week, man, the season's right around the corner. Yeah, and it really is right around the corner this week. Next week, we will have Jaguars preseason football. They're taking on the Ravens next Thursday night. They'll be wearing white uniforms with black pants. Uh, do you like that color combo or that uniform combo? I really like it. The first time I ever saw it was uh, when I went to the Kansas City Chiefs game. That was the first time they debuted it. I was pretty close to it. Uh, I really liked it. I mean, I really I like pretty much all of our combos. Of course, I wish... We had teal home primary uniforms, and um, I think in a perfect world, we wore teal every home game. Then maybe once or twice a year, you pulled out in all black and just made that iconic, kind of like we did in the mid-2000s uh, when there'd be a night game and we'd break out the all blacks. But, you know, I, I like them. Uh, my favorite combo is probably the teal on black. I like that the most. Yeah, I know you said that this week, and uh, I just have bad memories with it from last year. So until they go out and get the job done in those uniforms, I'm going to be a little resistant or hesitant to get excited about them. They got destroyed by Dallas last year. It is a clean look, but they got to do better. Can we like wear them against the Jets this year, or maybe if the Bengals wear white at home, uh, we can go rep it over there this year because we need uh, we we need that look to uh, we need that look to work. Uh, have you already told your boy over at Jet Central what's up? Calling oh, out yeah. the Jets right there. Oh, oh, he he knows how I feel about the Jets. I, I've gone on Twitter and says that the Jets is or uh, <laughs> I think they're a little bit of a train wreck right now. I just I just don't like their front office. I mean, Chris Johnson I think's uh, a bonehead. The the you know the owner out there then. Uh, just you know them firing Mike McCagney midseason and Todd Gase's eyes. I just. You know, we're not going to make this a Jets podcast, but I'm not high on the Jets this year. 
Yeah. Uh, did you say Todd Gase? You mean Adam Gase? Adam Gase, yeah. Todd Bowles is the old coach. Getting Todd the Bowles. two names mixed up, making me confused. But yeah, Adam Gase is a little freaky. Um, the way he talks and obviously the whole I thing with his introductory press conference was very strange. Well, because we used to always see him just with his with his dad hat all curled around his eyes and almost like it projected a shadow around his like eyes. That's how I always predict that's how I always saw him on the when he was with Miami. And then also when he's out there in a suit, you know, we realize that he doesn't really have much hair. Then I don't know what was going on with his eyes. That was one of the stranger things I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, me too, man. Uh, but we don't need to talk too much about the Jets here. Before we really get going with the show, though, I wanted to invite everyone out to 8103 Clothing and Springfield next week for the first game. Uh, we're going to be having a season kickoff watch party for the Jags at Ravens. Of course, we will be having TVs, projectors outside in the back, TVs all throughout the store. Uh, and Block Skate Supply will also have TVs next door. All the stores are connected. So that'll be a cool time. Blazing Buffalo Food Truck's going to be out there. Till We Die is going to be out there. They're going to have a pop-up shop. Of course, we'll have a pop-up shop. And um, we're going to have free beer from Bold City Brewery for everyone. So again, shout out to Bold City Brewery. And for more info on that, you can check out our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page. And that's going to be next Thursday for the Jaguars' first preseason game of the year so pretty excited about that now getting into news and notes uh, there's just no update on Unique Ngakwe outside of the fact that he's been putting out some cryptic tweets but no real news nothing to say I still expect him to report by next week on August 5th yeah he's definitely he's definitely a cryptic tweeter nothing changes with that I mean he's always been a little bit different on social media not really he doesn't really post anything personal. He just posts kind of subliminal messages. Um, it's just about whatever he wants to post about. But, you know, we're filming this on uh, July 31st. So we're just, you know, what, August 6th is really when we're going to know what's up. And, you know, we'd probably expect him back within the next week, either with a new contract or uh, playing for $2 million this year. Yeah, if the Jags can't get him that contract, I'll lose a lot of respect for Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell, to be quite honest with you. Uh, Moving on, Jalen Ramsey came in at number 27 on the NFL Top 100. He was displeased by this. He said, on my daughter, there are not 26 better football players than me. And I tend to agree with him. What do you think? I mean, the NFL Top 100 is just a glorified list. I mean, I I would rather a bunch of... Uh, real NFL experts get together and pulled up and put them on there rather than the NF- a bunch of NFL players randomly putting on a ballot a bunch of their top players. I just I, I, I don't exactly know what the voting is like on here and how it's really done, but uh, yeah, he he deserves to be he deserves to be higher than twenty seven. Yeah, that's slander in my opinion. Make sure to follow UCF Jaguar on Twitter at UCF underscore Jaguar. You can follow myself at Jordan DeLugo. And, of course, check out UCF Jaguar's YouTube page at UCF Jaguar. He's talking training camp over there. He's got an episode coming out tomorrow night. What are you going to be covering? I will be discussing the Jaguar's top 25. Now, uh, I didn't, I'm not putting out my own top 25 just because when the Jaguar's you know, came into the NFL. I was very young, and I don't, 
I'm 25 years old right now, so I never really got to live through the Baselli Brunel era. So I, I can't really, you know, speak on that. But you know, a lot of these players bring me back to really my childhood. Guys like Mike Peterson. I thought the best video was John Henderson, uh, just with the slap. And I just thought he looked so excited at the end of his video, uh, just talking about you know his time with the Jaguars. And it's it's a cool it's a cool list, and, and I like it. And it's it's cool to see the videos, the marketing and social media team, video team did a really good job with uh, putting these things together and giving really everybody a perspective of what these guys' career was like. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think that they definitely got some things wrong. There's definitely some disrespect for Daryl Smith, in my opinion. Should have been a lot higher. But you can break that down more tomorrow night on your video, of course. And everybody check that out again at UCF Jaguar on Twitter. A little bit of injury news. Taj McGowan, rookie running back out of UCF. He suffered a knee injury late in practice on Tuesday. The Jaguars signed running back Devontae Mays to take his place. McGowan was waived slash injury designation. So if he goes on, if nobody picks him up off waivers, he'll go to the injured reserve for the Jaguars, which hopefully he can stick around because I did like what I saw from him over the first few days of practice. Yeah, I mean it sucks. Uh, is you always got you always root for the guys that are from your college. I mean, I've seen Taj McGowan play at UCF. Was always a fan. Um, unfortunately, when the this training camp, you know, we had Dredrick Snelson, who was a really prolific wide receiver for UCF, and he got weighed due to injury. The now Taj McGowan. I mean, the next guy up seems like it's tight end Michael Kulapai So hopefully, hopefully he can stay healthy, and I can see him play during the preseason. Yeah, that'll be cool. And he's done all right during uh, training camp practices so far, too. Now, uh, Devontae Mays, the guy the Jaguars picked up, he's a former seventh-round pick by the Packers in 2017. He did play for the Packers in 2017. Um, He played in eight games. He got four carries for one yard. Uh, Hasn't done much. Didn't really spend any time with the team in 2018 after he got Uh, waived by the Packers with an injury settlement. And then he did sign with the Browns earlier this year, but they cut him quickly. Now he's in Jacksonville. At this point, he's a training camp body and nothing more. Uh, Hopefully he can prove something, though. He is 230 pounds, so he's got some thickness. That could be fun to watch on the practice field for sure. Yeah, and I mean, Jaguars running back position, he's most likely not going to make the team, but at the same time, uh, besides Leonard Fournette and, you know, Ryke Warmstead, what kind of, big time running back to really have. So, I mean, he's going to get his fair shot at making a roster, but I don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, The reason that they had to pick up a new running back too was obviously Taj McGowan was waived, but Thomas Rawls is also uh, on the mend with a hamstring tweak. We'll talk a little bit more about him in a minute. Let's just keep Uh, Leonard Fournette healthy. Let's keep his hamstrings tight or loose. I should, I don't know. Whichever one is good. (laughs) Whatever the proper terminology is on the internet. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever else you might listen to podcasts. If we're not on there, let us know and we'll get on there. If you really, really love us, you can leave us a review on the iTunes podcast app as well. That would really help us, help people find the show, and uh, help us get some feedback. So, Before we get into training camp talk, hot and heavy, which is going to be the rest of the episode, 
We got to talk. Freddie T versus Tony Baselli. Who is the greatest Jaguar of all time? Well, I mean, when you when you look at it, I mean, Tony Baselli was an absolutely prolific left tackle. I mean, I think he gave up only like six sacks his whole entire NFL career. But then, of course, he had kind of a shortened NFL career. I really didn't get, get to see him play too much as he was kind of – he was a 90s guy. Um, he had a short career also. But, I mean, you look at Fred Taylor. The guy for 11 years was just absolutely dominating. And uh, he – he it, it's a shame that he was in an uh, era with so many good running backs like Jerome Bettis and Edron James, and he's kind of he kind of gets overlooked because of that. But, I mean, Fred Taylor was an absolute machine. I mean, the guy had a crazy ability to uh, – a crazy – he had really good agility, but he also had really good power at the same time, and he could truck through through some guys. And um, I mean, I guess if I were to do my ranking, I would probably put Fred Taylor number one. Yeah, and in case you've been hiding under a rock as a Jaguars fan, the reason we're talking about this is because of the Jaguars' top twenty-five of all time. Fred Taylor came in at number two today, which obviously means Tony Vaselli will come in at number one, which is no surprise, but. I will say, I think Fred Taylor's the greatest Jaguar of all time. I'll explain a little bit why. But I'll also say, it doesn't matter who's better, Fred Taylor or Tony Baselli. The fact that the Jaguars had both of them, they were both fantastic players for the Jaguars. Honestly, throughout the entire list, there's a lot of guys that wouldn't be anywhere close to a top 25 on another franchise's list. Fred Taylor and Tony Baselli, they'd be close to the top on any franchise's list of all-time greats. And that's a fact. They were awesome football players. And so that's great for Jacksonville. Now, the reason I believe Fred Taylor is the greatest Jaguar of all time over Tony Baselli is he did it over two different eras. Okay? He was with the team in 98 and 99. Two playoff teams. Obviously, he was not part of the 97 AFC Championship run, but he was a beast for the Jaguars in the 1999 playoffs when they went to the AFC Championship. I mean, if you want to talk about his stats during the playoffs for the Jaguars that year, um, he got 18 carries for 135 yards against the Dolphins, 7.5 yards a carry. And then he got 5.79 yards a carry against the Tennessee Titans in an unfortunate loss. 19 carries for 110 yards, though. I mean, the guy was unstoppable that year, and he was unstoppable as a rookie. And later on in his career, he helped the Jaguars beat the Steelers on the road in the playoffs. And I just think that he was part of the two greatest eras in Jaguars history. And without him... They would not have been as successful in 1999. They would not have been nearly as successful in 2005 and 2007 when they made the playoffs. So that's my reasoning. You can look at all his stats. Uh, They're just prolific, like we've said. Obviously, Baselli is fantastic in in his own right. During his six healthy seasons, there was no better left tackle in football. Many have said that, but... Fred Taylor did it longer, and in my opinion, at 
a level that was comparable to Tony Baselli's. So the fact that he was able to have such an impact throughout the franchise's history more than Baselli, that's why I would give him the number one spot. Yeah, and the fact that Fred Taylor wasn't put at number one, it kind of pissed him off a bit. I'm looking at his Twitter right now, and he actually quote-tweeted the Jaguars as uh, Fred Taylor made the number two spot. And he said with the uh, emoji of the blowing smoke out of their nose, I'm not sure who voted, but they missed. What were you guys doing for the 11 years I carry the team? One day, someone other than me will recognize how valuable I was. I did something only 21 players in the history game have done at my position. Hashtag what a joke. And I mean, you look at it, you wonder kind of where the saltiness and frustration come from. But uh, I mean, you look at things like the fact that Hall of Fame isn't even giving him a consideration. I mean, they're not talking about him at all. And while other players around his era, like Jerome Bettis, get in when, you know, Fred Taylor's numbers were better than Jerome Bettis, Jerome Bettis was just on a much more marketable team a team that has won super bowls so he gets overshadowed by that but also when it comes to local media the all the everyone in the local media is making a push for baselli to get into the hall of fame nobody is going out there besides maybe like pete prisco trying to make any kind of noise for for fred taylor getting to the hall of fame even though his numbers are very worthy of it one thing that kind of stinks for him is the fact that uh, whenever there were goal line situations it seemed like He'd carry the team down there, but then they'd sub him out and put another running back in. So he doesn't have those he doesn't have those touchdown numbers. But I mean, you do have to you do have to feel for him in that way where it, it's just it's another thing about being on the Jaguars, just being a small market team where you're not getting any really push for the Hall of Fame. And I mean, he's going to have to really wait around for to Tony Baselli to get in if he ever does get in before anybody starts lobbing for him because you know once Tony Baselli's in you know all the attention is going to turn on Fred Taylor locally like this get this guy in the Hall of Fame but you know I, I, I Fred Taylor was just so awesome and I, I've met him a few different times a uh, cool story was in sixth grade when I broke my arm I was at Nemours Hospital downtown Jacksonville and then right after that I went over to um, you know, right next door to the practice field to see if I get some autographs. And the first guy that comes out is Fred Taylor, and he was the first guy to sign my cast. So he's a he's a great play. He's a great guy, great player. He is he's in the Jaguars uh, ring of honor, and it, it is sad just that he's not getting the recognition that that he really does deserve. Yeah, I mean, being number two is great, but I feel like Fred Taylor probably has like the number two syndrome. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But uh, it is what it is for Fred and his career. And I would like to say I have championed his cause, Dalton. I've been writing articles about Fred Taylor should be in the Hall of Fame for years. And I actually incited Fred Taylor to go on a little rant a couple years ago about it. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. I love but Fred. Thing, yeah. But, but one thing that I would want to say is like, when it comes to like Fred Taylor, like another guy in a top four of the Jaguars all time list was Maurice Jones Drew. And I wonder what player Maurice Jones Drew would have been if he didn't have the mentorship that Fred that Fred Taylor provided to him because he basically said that, um, you know, in different interviews that when he was young and when he was a rookie, you know, as a second year player, he would basically copy everything that Fred Taylor does. And, you know, he taught him you gotta be um, you know, you gotta be patient with your runs and then burst of the hole type of thing I, I forget the exact phrasing and he's and really just the the kind of impact that Fred Taylor had on uh, Maurice Jones Drew I mean really we we could have been 
helped out by by Fred Taylor even when he wasn't like on the field and that's one reason why this offseason I was want I was really wanting to get that kind of player for Leonard Fournette I was really wanting the Jaguars to sign like a Frank Gore a guy that's done a whole lot in his career a guy that obviously knows how to keep his body healthy with how long he's been in the NFL for I thought it would have been a cheap thing where not only do you get a pretty good player but you also get a guy that brings a ton of experience um you know, to the room because I feel like Leonard Fournette. Because I, I feel like I don't, I don't know if he's a guy that would look up to a coach or um, something like that. But I think just having a guy in the running back room, kind of a mentor to look at like that, like one of his peers, I think that would have been huge for Leonard Fournette. I think you might be right. I do think he learned a lot from last season about being a professional, and that he's kind of carried that into 2019. He's talked about leadership about uh, being a guy that needs to help all the other guys remain on schedule with what they're supposed to be doing, especially on off days. And I think he's a guy that, if he can stay healthy, is primed for a big season. And we'll talk a little bit about more that more when we get into our training camp talk, which we are about to get into. I'm really excited about that. I really enjoy training camp. It's obviously an anxious time as a fan. You're and as a, somebody covering the team, uh, you are seeing so much going on with the team and you're getting all these different looks. You're hoping to avoid injury. There's just a lot going on throughout training camp. And then, of course, preseason's right around the corner. So it's been a lot of fun. We have to start out talking about some of the injuries that are going on, and then we'll kind of go through each position uh, so and share what what we've seen so far. So I'm really excited to do it. Marquise Lee, uh, Cam Robinson, Jake Ryan, they all continue to work on the side as they try to get back from knee injuries. Lee and Robinson are both on the PUP, the active PUP, so they can come back whenever they're ready. Jake Ryan is on the active non-football injury list, so he can also come back whenever he's ready. And all of them, well, Lee and Robinson look better than Ryan. They've been doing a lot more movement, a lot more running, a lot more agility. Ryan has been a lot more controlled in what he's doing. So I don't know if he's not as far along as those two or what the deal is with Jake Ryan. But I I will say Lee and Robinson both look pretty good so far to me. I don't think I've seen anything that would suggest to me that they would have to start the season on the pup list or anything like that. Yeah, I'm really anxious for Cam Robinson to get back on the field because, uh, you know, if, if say we had to, and this probably isn't going to be the case, but if he had to miss Marquise Lee like the first three weeks, we still have wide receivers that can fill in there. But, I mean, Cam Robinson's supposed to be our starting left tackle, and left tackle is a premier position, and this guy needs reps. He hasn't played football in a very long time. Uh, he, he came into training camp a little bit out of shape last year. I didn't think he... Um, really was a I just wasn't very impressed with him and I just think he needs to be able to come in here he needs to get the reps he needs to get the preseason uh you know get some preseason games under his belt and uh, I want Cam Robinson back because I think I think he's got a lot of developing to do in training camp yeah for me it's not so much of developing I I kind of am higher on him than you are but I, I do believe he needs to get back as soon as possible, but obviously not at the risk of re-injuring himself. But my thing is just, you know, working on technique. He hasn't been able to do that that much, at least not in a real setting, uh, a real football setting. 
at and all you, over the last year. And one thing that you had to be able to get in the football shape too, you know, and, you know, as a left tackle, you're on the field every single play and, uh, you know, every week, you know, most, most teams have at least one good defensive end out there and, you know, uh, he's got to get, got to get himself into football shape. Yeah. So you've got that going on. Uh, AJ Boye and Thomas Rawls have both missed every practice since Sunday with hamstring soreness. Boye actually also missed Friday's practice. So that's something to monitor. Obviously, Boye is the key name there. The Jaguars do not want to start the season or have to go through any point in the season without A.J. Boye playing opposite Jalen Ramsey. And then Thomas Rawls, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from him so far. He's easily the quickest, uh, most explosive in short areas running back that the Jaguars have. And if he's able to come back healthy, I think that he really could help out the Jaguars offense in certain situations. But let's go ahead and get into the offensive side of the ball and talk about the quarterbacks. Uh, Nick Foles, he really, I mean, he's been great in my opinion. And I'm not saying he's going to come out and have a great, great season as a quarterback. I'm just saying he's been everything that he was advertised to be. Accurate smart decision maker, able to manipulate the pocket, able to get outside the pocket and complete passes on the run. He doesn't take a ton of deep shots, but he has been fairly successful on the deep shots that he's been taking, which is an encouraging sign, obviously. And I just really like what I've seen from him, distributing the ball, spreading the ball around to the wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, all of the positions quite a lot. And Outside of targeting players covered by Jalen Ramsey, he's been insanely efficient. So I've been really happy with what I've seen from Nick Foles so far. Yeah, and I've seen some good snapshots of him, like throwing the ball in the very back of the end zone and um, having players like DJ Chark had a pretty nice toe drag swag catch. But I heard that Nick Foles hasn't even thrown a single interception at practice. Have you? Is that is that true? Have you seen him throw anything? If he has thrown an interception which I can't remember, he might have thrown one. But he, like I said, he's been efficient. He has not been throwing a lot of passes that that are disappointing. I'll say that. And I think he's actually gotten better throughout camp, even as Ramsey has really ramped up his intensity. I think Foles has ramped up his intensity as well, and he's playing at a high level. Yeah, I'm really excited for Foles. I mean, I'm really in a situation where I haven't been able to go out to any of the training camps as I live in Orlando, but I feel like it still hasn't fully hit me that Nick Foles is our quarterback, but I feel like when, um, you know, a week from Thursday, when we, you know, play the Ravens, our first preseason game, I think that might be the moment where I'm like, holy cow, Nick Foles is our quarterback right now. And I mean, it's exciting. You know, we, I mean, when you look at our past quarterbacks we've been dealing with the last what, six, seven years, you'd have a combination of uh, Blaine Gabbert, Chad Henney, and Blake Bortles with a little sprinkle sprinkle of Cody Kessler. So, I mean, um, Nick Foles, you don't have big shoes to fill. <laughs> well, good thing for Nick Foles. He does have really big shoes. But, um, yeah, like I said, he's been really good, and I just think he is going to do – everything that a decent quarterback should do, which is just not something you can say over the last almost decade, really, in Jacksonville. So, so how has Gardner Minshew looked? I, I, I've seen a couple of videos of him 
Um, it, it looks like he has a quick release and everything, but what what kind of worried me is it doesn't his just the ball velocity is kind of lack of arm strength showed showed up to me a little bit. How how, how have you been diagnosing Garner Minshew? Yeah, I was just about to say behind Foles, things have been shaky. Minshew's clearly the number two guy. I mean, it's not even close between Minshew, Magoo, and Lee. It's clearly Minshew because, for one, he gets it between the ears. Like, he just – he he understands the offense. And he hasn't been perfect. He's been fun to watch because he's made some nice plays. But he's also made a lot of mistakes, like you would expect from a rookie. And he does not have the arm strength of the other three quarterbacks on the roster. There's no question about it. But he's smart, and he might just be fine thanks to his smarts and his uh, playmaking ability. Time will tell with him. He's got a lot of developing to do before I can say I'm comfortable with him as the Jaguars' number two quarterback. But right now, that's obviously what he is. Yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll see with Garner Minshew. I mean, obviously he's still a rookie, but uh, I mean, with with me, man, if uh, one, I mean, of course, the top the top thing I look for in a quarterback is footwork. Um, if you don't have footwork, then you're just—I mean, it—I don't think you're going to be a good quarterback. I mean, we've seen guys with bad mechanics. I mean, Philip Rivers doesn't have good mechanics. Um, even like guys like Alex Smith, Carson Wentz doesn't have the best mechanics, but they're all their footwork are pretty good. So you know, that's one thing I always look at. But you know, another thing is just just arm strength, and it just it doesn't show up a lot for me in Gardner Minshew. But I mean, I'm excited to see him in preseason. I mean, he's definitely an exciting guy, and you know, kind of funny looking too, but uh, yeah. So uh, I mean, in any case, if you're like most like most teams out there, if your starting quarterback goes down, um, you know, you're not going to feel very good about your team going forward. Yeah, you're right about that. And then you get to Alex Magoo and Tanner Lee. They've both struggled. Both have made great throws. Like, there's no doubt about that. They've both made some awesome throws, but consistency has just not been there for either. I prefer Alex Magoo over Tanner Lee by a long shot. He hasn't made as many mistakes as Tanner Lee. And Lee might have a slight advantage when it comes to getting the ball out faster. But Magoo has a better arm. I'm not saying stronger arm. They both have really strong arms. Magoo's might be stronger. But he just seems to, when he throws the ball, it just seems to be complete more often. The problem with Magoo is he just loves to get outside the pocket. He's not ready to just sit in the pocket and deliver passes quickly and efficiently. And that's the problem for Magoo right now. And I really I really wish we could somehow like combine some of the uh, you know some of the some of the stuff that ta- that Tanner Lee and um and Garner Minshew has like I wish I wish we could use you know Tanner or uh um, Garner Minshew. I wish we could use his accuracy and his uh, kind of quick release and his uh, mobility and combine that with Tanner Lee's just arm strength and uh, and size. But unfortunately, we can't do that. Yeah, I mean, maybe Shotcon can come up with something. We'll see. But yeah, he's got he's got money. I mean, look what he's doing a lot, Jay. So come All on, right. let, let, let's let's build a quarterback. Yeah, Shad Khan and the city of Jacksonville came to, I think it was a $450 million agreement today for Lot J, so they'll be moving forward with that. The uh, downtown's, uh, I don't remember the name of the committee, but some committee for downtown Jacksonville will also have to approve that, but I don't see any snags with that plan moving forward, so that is exciting. 
Now, moving on to wide receiver, some of the guys that Nick Foles has been throwing the ball to, D.D. Westbrook has been fantastic. He's by far the Jaguars' best wide receiver. It's not close. And I think he really, really is ready for a huge breakout year. He's always open. I've been calling him Easy D.D. because it always just looks effortless. He's almost always open when Foles delivers the ball to him. Uh, He did miss Wednesday practice for personal reasons. Hopefully that's not a cause for concern. But this is a guy that is just dynamic. Yeah, and I mean, he he looks focused too. And he's a guy that, you know, is really takes a lot of pride out of his game. I remember interviewing him in 2018. He basically said that his goals were to be an all-pro receiver and an all-pro, you know, returner. So, I mean, he 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 has his goals out there, and he wants to uh, be the best out there. And, I mean, you know, a former Blitnikoff Award winner, a Heisman runner-up. I mean, he fell to the fourth round for, I guess, some, like, conduct issues. But, I mean, this guy was, when I met with him, I mean, he was nothing but – you know, nice is a cool dude, and you know, I'm I'm definitely I've got I've got two of his jerseys, and I'm definitely rooting for him. Yeah, I'm rooting for him too. He's a hell of a football player, and it does seem like he's straightened his act up after a lot of draft pundits really gave the Jaguars the business for even drafting him. People were saying that they were off his boards completely, but he's been a good guy since he's been in Jacksonville, from what we know, and he's certainly been a professional football player and it's showing with his play on the field and the Jaguars are working some wrinkles with him some reverses some pitches behind the line some fun stuff like that so they'll be working in my opinion to really get him the ball as often as they can on the offensive side of the ball and like I said I think he'll have a a big breakout you know I'm talking a thousand plus yards this year for D.D. Westbrook so besides D.D. what are some other receivers that have been standing out to you Uh, Chris Conley, he's definitely the second leading target for Nick Foles right now. He's been mostly very good. He's shown off a variety of routes that he can run, and he can certainly track and haul in the deep ball, which is exciting in Jacksonville. There's been a couple of contested catches that haven't gone his way, but that's to be expected from almost any receiver not named DeAndre Hopkins. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I always always love DeAndre Hopkins, but... Um, you know, what about some guys like Terrell Pryor? I know Terrell Pryor's kind of been around the league a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I was looking him up. I mean, he's been on like nine different teams since 2013. And, you know, while he had his really breakout year in 2016 with uh, the with the Cleveland Browns, I mean, since then he's been on, you know, the Redskins, the Bills, you know, quietly on the Jets too. So, I mean, what have you seen any good things out of him? Honestly, he's been really impressive. To me, he's been the third most consistent receiver for the Jaguars. So far throughout camp, he uses his big body so well on slants and other short routes uh, where the ball comes out quickly. He's just able to get in, get in between the defender and the quarterback and go get the ball. And I think that's something the Jaguars could really use if he continues to have a strong camp. Like in the red zone and on third downs when you just got to have a few yards for first down, I would not be surprised if, if he continues to play this well, if he's that type of guy for the Jaguars. and. Yeah, uh, obviously and I, and I he's think, further down the depth chart, but I like him a lot. I think he should stick around. And I think with Terrell Pryor, I feel like some of his shortcomings might have just been from some of the environments that he's been around. I mean, Washington never seems to have a very good environment around them, and um, you know, Buffalo is still really trying to establish an identity over there. And you know, they made that you know just like the Jaguars, they had that lonesome year where they made the playoffs, but you know, they've been kind of struggling to find their identity. And obviously, the Jets were 
um, you know, kind of a circus fire last year. So, I mean, hopefully with his team, I mean, hopefully we can, you know, with Nick Foles, he can bring some stability to the team when it comes to, you know, not, you know, like last year when we rallied off like eight straight losses or something like that. I mean, hopefully he can, you know, we can be a pretty, um, you know, calm kind of environment for him where he's not, you know, having to do a bunch of different things. He's even, uh, he's, he's had, he's had struggles getting along with teammates. So, uh, you know, hopefully he, hopefully he gets along with these guys and there's not too many personalities in his ear so he can then have to get in his own head. Yeah. I haven't seen anything like that from him so far. He's been just real impressive. He doesn't ever look like he's moving fast, but he always just has the positioning to catch the ball, which is what you really need out of a guy like him. And then he is a guy, if he breaks a tackle or there's a missed tackle, he has the speed to to get down the field after he catches the pass. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of quickness in short areas, but he's definitely got long speed. So I think he's a guy that could be very valuable as a fifth or sixth receiver for the team. Now, of course, we need to talk about DJ Chark. He's been the third guy. Uh, really, it's been Chark and... Conley on the outside with D.D. Westbrook in the slot. But he's had a lot of ups and downs, in my opinion, throughout training camp. Uh, the offensive coordinator, John Filippo is impressed with Chark's consistency. He talked about that today. Uh, he's been, he thinks he's been consistent in training camp. But I don't, I don't really agree. His highs have been really solid, really amazing, like the touchdown grab that you mentioned earlier where he leapt really high into the air and then was able to come down and toe tap in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. And then on the same, same little segment there, same, uh, same drill, basically red zone practice, Nick Foles was able to squeeze a pass in between two defenders. It was a contested catch for a touchdown. So that was another really big high for him, but his lows have been easy dropped passes, which is not what you want to see from a guy that the Jaguars spent a second round pick on last year. So one guy that you haven't really mentioned is Keelan Cole. He seems to be kind of a, a forgotten guy. I mean, he was one of the leaders and leading receivers as a rookie his, you know, in 2017. I mean, he, uh, you know, had more receiving yards than three of the top wide receivers picked in the top 10. But uh, what, what have you been seeing out of him? Is he a, is he a bubble guy to even make the roster? I do not think he's on the bubble. He's made some nice plays down the field, which I've really come to expect from him in practice. He'll have to carry that over into games, though, to prove he belongs, you know, actually on the field for the Jaguars. And it's just one of those things where at the really it started with the game against the Chiefs and then carried on throughout the rest of the year. He really struggled after that Patriots game where he just erupted. Uh, but He's a guy that just has to prove he belongs on game day and he won't have the opportunity to do that until preseason. And then if he can carry this over into preseason, maybe he can carry some momentum into the regular season. But I don't think he has a he's in danger of of being cut at this point. Uh of the receivers that are undrafted free agents this year that a lot of people were excited about, Tyree Brady has been the best. I do think he could potentially maybe threaten for a roster spot if the Jaguars want to keep six wide receivers. He's just really smooth. He can make a lot of plays. He looks like a professional wide receiver. And 
if he's not a guy they want to keep on the regular uh, active roster, I definitely think they'll try to stash him on the practice squad. But I would not be surprised at all if the Jaguars try to do that to see another team snatch him up and uh, put them on put him on their active roster. Now at the at the tight end position, um, I noticed one uh, drop from G, from Jeff Swaim and a bunch of the uh, defensive backs were in his were in his face, kind of talking smack about it. But uh, what what have you seen out of tight end position? Do you do you see anybody really emerging as a really potential threat in the passing game, or do you think it's going to be much like the last few years with with the tight ends? Well, they're going to have to emerge in the passing game because Nick Foles has said that tight end is the first place he looks, and that's shown throughout his years in the NFL. Now, the tight ends have been steadier than you might expect, uh, but you did mention Jeff Swaim. He's been targeted a lot by Nick Foles. He's definitely had the most opportunities with the ones, but he's actually been my least favorite tight end so far, and there's a lot of tight ends on the team. I just don't think he's done that much with the opportunities. I mean, he looks good running routes and getting open, and uh, he just has been, like you said, he dropped that pass in the back of the end zone. He dropped a one-handed catch on the sideline. He dropped a kind of a lunging pass in the middle of the field the other day. And I just think that, I don't know what the deal is with Swaim right now with with him catching the ball, but I I just think Josh Oliver's got to get more time in the starting lineup. He hasn't had a ton of it. When he has, he's done pretty well. I also think James O'Shaughnessy and Ben Koyak are both playing really well. I think James O'Shaughnessy should definitely make the team. I wouldn't be mad if the Jaguars kept four tight ends because they're going to run two tight end sets a lot. So I would not be mad at all if they kept Koyak as well because he's a strong blocker and he's never shown anything besides solid hands as a receiver. Yeah, and one thing about Jeff Swaim is it seems like every year the Jaguars sign like some veteran tight end that was just kind of outcasted from their team. When I look at the last couple of years, I, mean, I remember everyone was talking big about Michael Rivera, the time we got over from the Raiders, and you know he was injured kind of early. And last year it was with Austin Safarian Jenkins. I was pretty high on ASJ, but he got injured pretty early in the season too, and um, I, I don't know. It just seems like Jeff Swain might be one of those guys that it just feels like he might fall into that category. But I mean, we invested a really high pick in Josh Oliver, so I mean, uh, you know, maybe not at the beginning of the season should we be expecting much out of him. But man, I, I definitely liked you know as the season goes on and as he gets a feel for the speed of the NFL for him to uh, try to find a, a role in this in this offense. I honestly think that come week one, he will have a major role in the offense. Doug Marone is really hesitant to let these rookies feel like they've made it, is what he said, uh, if he doesn't have to. And there's really only one rookie that he's had to so far, and we'll talk about him more later. You might know who we're talking about, somebody on the defensive side of the ball. But like I said, Oliver has looked really good with when, when he has been in the game or in practice. He's run a lot with the twos and threes. He's run some with the ones, but he's shown consistent hands. I just like him a lot. I know people kind of have a stigma about rookie tight ends. I don't think he should be the guy in the Jaguars offense, but can he be a guy that that is a factor for the Jaguars offense that defenses have to you know, think about when he's on the field? Absolutely. Now, are they lining him all around the offense? Like, are they putting him in the slot? Are they putting him, you know, right at the end of the of the offensive tackle? Is he in the backfield at all? Do, do, do you see him moving around a good bit? 
all the tight ends have been moving around a lot, and that's something the Jaguars are going to do this season for sure. They're going to have two tight end sets where a lot of times one of the tight ends will go in motion and they'll have you know a tight end and an H-back, which will be one of the tight ends. So, yeah, they'll, they're going to do a lot of fun stuff with two tight ends in the game. Yeah, we also no longer have a fullback, so you know you can maybe expect some packages on you know goal line situations where maybe they bring in a Ben Koyak to help in the run game, or you know I'd be, I'd be interested to see how that happens, just because you know Leonard Fournette isn't you know is usually a guy that ha- has had his fullback you know ever dating back into college, and you know I feel like they even dedicate a roster spot for fullback to help out Leonard Fournette, you know to kind of save that number four overall pick, but. They're kind of going away from that a little bit, and they're probably going to be running a lot more out of the shotgun with John D. Flippo's offense. Yeah, I think they will. They're going to line up under center, though. They've been lining up under center plenty. It's not going to be exclusively a shotgun offense. I, I think that you could see maybe 60-40 shotgun to under center. I think some games they might run under center more. I think they want to be able to do a lot of different things, which is always a good thing for NFL offense. Now, let's talk about the running backs and then the offensive line, and then we'll get into the defense, which there's not as much to talk about on the defensive side of the ball. They're loaded. They're they're ready to go on defense. But uh, running back, it's not the easiest to tell how the running backs are doing without really real tackling going on. But Fournette has been dynamite. I know he's looked good in training camp before, but honestly, he's looked good on the field before in the regular season. When he's been healthy, he's been a damn good football player in the NFL. A lot of people will deny it. A lot of people look at his average yards per carry and all that nonsense, but he's a good football player when he's healthy. Uh, He'll be awesome this year if he's healthy. I really do believe that. He's doing great catching passes out of the backfield, which we all knew he could do, but he's going to be doing it a lot more in this offense. And one thing that I really like, he's not spinning nearly as much. His uh, former running back coach, Tyrone Wheatley, and I've heard this uh, from T-Wig over on the Locked on Jaguars podcast, Tyrone Wheatley actually wanted him to spin instead of trying to use a sidestep or a juke. And Fournette hasn't been doing that spin move that drove a lot of fans crazy all last year. He's been using sidesteps. He's been one-cutting and jump-cutting and showing a lot more elusiveness than he did in the past. And I think that's something to watch this year for sure. Yeah, I mean, with Fournette, I mean, the big thing about him, man, just get some, it's just to get that yards per carry up. I mean, you know, I think he was averaging about, what, like around – 3.5 yards per carry got to get got to get that up but um yeah i mean a lot of that is just really just his agility i mean he was of course doing the spin move a lot which was it was kind of cool at first you know when you saw it so oh he's got some elusiveness but then as he does it more and more kind of gets a little more repetitive but um yeah i mean it, it's got it, we got to have a big year out of fournette but i also agree with you with the uh, with evaluating running backs in training camp it's so hard to tell because you know you have to get you know a big thing with running backs is yards after contact and they don't tackle them here and you know they just kind of run you know run through the play and go about 20 25 yards each time but yeah i mean it's uh I, i'm excited about fournette i just you know i i know i know a fournette as long as he stays healthy he's going to be good but you know the big question mark with him is just his health yeah no doubt about it. And talking about another guy who I just really want to stay healthy because I think he'll be very good if he does stay healthy 
is Raquel Armstead. Uh, as long as he can keep his hamstring from flaring back up, he should have a really solid rookie season. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He has put one or two on the ground, but he'll be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. He'll be able to make an impact as a runner, as a rookie, because the guy is quicker than you would think. He's faster than you would think, and he is certainly very strong at 220 pounds. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a person that's wa- watched a lot of Raquel Armstead just from his college days because they're at the same side of the division as UCF, and uh, I mean, it almost seems like a similar situation with Leonard Fournette. Like a big knock on him coming out of the draft was that oh, he doesn't have really much impact in the passing game. I mean, it's he didn't have much impact in the passing game because the coaches just didn't throw him the ball, and that wasn't the way their offense kind of flowed. So that doesn't you can't take that away and say that he's not good in the pass game, but. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about Reich Warmstead just because, you know, last couple of years when Fournette's gone down, we haven't had any kind of uh, back that was that was similar to him. I mean, I guess Chris Ivory kind of was, but Chris Ivory was never really that great for the Jaguars. And, you know, I think we finally found a, you know, a guy that will compliment Leonard Fournette pretty well. And, you know, I'm glad I'm glad this guy's on our on our squad and, you know, we invested a fifth round pick in him. So it's definitely good value. Yeah, I'm with you. Alfred Blue, he's been just meh to me. He's like a steady Eddie, but there's nothing flashy about his game. He's dropped a pass or two, which, of course, I just said Armstead had dropped a pass or two, but Blue just doesn't have – he doesn't have it to me. Like, sure, he's a decent power back, and he he can pick up blitzes pretty well, which those are important things, but I – if I was building this roster, this running back group, I would strongly be considering not keeping blue. And that is if Thomas Rawls is able to return healthy because Thomas Rawls, like I said, his movement is incredible. Quickness, short area explosiveness, you name it, he's got it. Health is the major concern. It has been for a few years with him. His hamstring's acting up right now. I really want to see him get back on the field because, like I said, I think he can do a lot for the Jaguars' offense. Um, Benny Cunningham, he's got some explosiveness as well. I don't think it's as readily apparent all the time, but he's another guy that, like Rawls, brings a little juice to the position that you, you don't necessarily see from Alfred Blue. So, so when you go on to the guys in front of them blocking, you know, what has anything been standing out to you about the offensive line? Like, who's been getting most of the first team reps at left tackle with Cam Robinson being injured? What about the new right tackle we got in the second round, Jawan Taylor? What, you know, what have you, what have you seen out of him? And uh, what, what's kind of stood out to you with the offensive line? So, overall, I just don't think the offensive line has been that impressive so far. Uh, Cedric Abwehi and Josh Wells have kind of been going back and forth, starting at left tackle and right tackle. Leonard Wester has gotten some play at um, at left tackle as the starter. Now, Jawan Taylor, he has gotten in the into the team drills as the number one, but it has not been as frequently as I would like. And again, going back to what Doug Marone said about not wanting to let the rookies think they've made it. I I think that's what's happening with Jawan Taylor. I think he's got to be in the starting lineup by week one. I'm adamant about that. I do not think Abwehi or Wells is the answer at right tackle, and I I think Jawan Taylor's got to be that. 
And again, this gets kind of back to needing Cam Robinson back on the field because I think he could completely, completely up with Jawan Taylor and Cam Robinson on right tackle and left tackle respectively. I just think that that makes your offensive line look a lot different than what it's been looking like in training camp so far. Yeah, and I definitely think Jawan Taylor will get the, you know, will get the start week one. I mean, you know these, you know these coaches, they always like to play like, oh, you got to earn this spot. But I mean, even when you know Leonard Fournette was drafted at number four overall, you know, he technically wasn't starting, you know, to begin training camp and preseason. Oh, you got to earn your way on the team on the field. But you know, we we all knew they knew that they were going to be starting week one. I think it's, I think it's the same kind of situation with, um, you know, with Juwan Taylor, but how about has, what about Will, Will Richardson? I'm always curious about him has, you know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, a starting tackle for us this year, but has, has he, have they been trying to maybe play him at right guard a little bit to maybe compete with AJ can there? I wouldn't say he's going to compete to start this year, but I do think he's a guy that maybe moving into year three, he could compete for a starting job. I know Doug Marone has said that he's basically night and day compared to where he was at this time last year. I haven't noticed him that much, and it's been kind of hard to notice some of the offensive line, especially in pass protection, because that defensive line is nasty. And it might not be fair to judge this offensive line against the Jaguars' defensive line, to be completely honest with you. So how how do you feel about the unit overall? You were you, you know, coming into training camp or and you know, I suppose right now, you know, were, are you feeling better about it right now than you were coming into training camp, or are you a little more skeptical of the of the unit? I think with Juwan Taylor and Cam Robinson, I'll feel a lot different. But right now, it hasn't been pretty, and maybe going against some other teams in preseason might change my view on that. Because, like I said, they're going against some really, really good defensive linemen and a really, really good defense. So it might be tough to judge. But honestly, they have not been super impressive to me so far. Jawan Taylor has looked pretty good. I've been impressed by him. He hasn't been perfect. But I like what I'm seeing from him, and I'm ready to see him really break into the starting lineup. So we can stay in the trenches while you're talking about our ferocious defensive line. We got all kinds of pieces out there, but obviously Unique Ngakwe um, has been reporting. But I want to hear about Josh Allen, man. How, how has this guy looked? You know, he looks like a physical freak, and I've seen some snap, some videos of him on uh, Twitter just about you know some of the stuff that he's been doing, just beating, uh, beating the edge and getting in at the quarterback. How have you felt about Josh Allen? Well, before we get into the defensive line, which I know you're pumped about, I just wanted to kind of recap what I thought about the offense. It's clearly better and deeper, more well-rounded than it's been in quite a while. If Foles is able to stay on the field, I think it's easy to say that the offense will be able to average over 20 points per game. I know that's not a high benchmark, but with 20 points a game, this team could be a legit playoff contender. With 23 to 25 points a game and a low turnover total, this team could be really difficult to beat. Yeah, I mean, let's hope... uh... Let's keep the let's keep the turnovers down. Let's get some consistent quarterback play. Let's um hopefully our receivers can continue catching the ball because I mean, you know, a lot of times we, you know, point to last year saying, Oh, let's just, you know, the receivers dropped the ball. That's because Blake Boyles is in there. But I mean there were some games where, 
you know, they they were dropping a whole lot. So, I mean, let's hope the receivers' hands get a little better. You know, we've got to have our offensive line stay healthier this year than it was last year. But, I mean, last year was just – if it was just a worst-case scenario, it seemed like, with every single position on the offense. So, I mean, even if it all goes wrong this year, it could it could be a better situation than last year. Yeah, and now right before we get to the good Josh Allen – I'd like to remind everybody to check out genjag.com to get geared up for the season. There's lots of new merch coming out on the reg. You can also become a member of our fan group for sponsored tailgates with free food and beverage. So go check that out at genjag.com. All right. The good Josh Allen. The good he's going to spend a lot of the time on the field this year. He's, he's going to be out there a lot. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him get more than eight sacks. I'm going to be straight up. He needs to be more consistent. But with the group around him, teams won't be able to just key on him as they did at Kentucky, and he still dominated. But, yeah, he has been able to hold his own quite a bit and even kind of shown up some of the some of the veteran offensive linemen on the Jaguars. Now, he hasn't been perfect. He has gotten beat. Uh, he's gotten handled by Josh Wells a few times. He and Jawan Taylor had a nice little uh, – go around, uh, I believe it was yesterday at practice. It might have been today. But they went after each other in uh, individual offensive linemen, defensive linemen drills. And Josh Allen kind of got into Jawan Taylor a little bit, but then Josh Allen tried to beat him with the inside move, and Jawan Taylor kind of re-anchored and got back and and pushed him away from where the quarterback would be rolling to. So it was interesting. It's good to see those two guys going against each other. And I believe Josh Allen, like I said, I think he's a guy that is just primed to have a fantastic NFL career. He's a hard worker. He's learning from Calais Campbell. He doesn't look small next to Calais Campbell, which is a massive statement. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. And then and one thing that one thing I feel like is, you know, as Josh Allen, you know, all eyes are going to be on him really just throughout the, you know, training camp of preseason uh preseason time. And I think we all know what we have out of Calais Campbell. You know, he's obviously going to show up and be a beast and so is like uh, I think Marcel Doris is going to be good, but uh, one guy that we got to really keep our eye on that really didn't prove a whole lot last year is Taven Bryan. Like have you been have you been keeping a close eye on Taven Bryan and uh, what what's he been like so far? He's been all right. Hasn't done a whole lot to impress me, but it's it's hard to keep an eye on Taven all the time when you've got everything else going on. I will say the defensive line has just been dominant, and he has been part of that. He's been out there a lot. He's been helping out a lot. There's been a ton of pass rush. It's been fun to watch. And Avery Jones has also been very good. Kind of a surprise who's been awesome is Detone Jones. Uh, he used to play for the Packers. He was actually like a decently high pick back in the day. But he's just been a terror off the edge, being able to get pressure. And he's a bigger guy. He could push for a roster spot, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, we're going to have a lot of different competition in there. I mean, we obviously got Dontavious Russell in the seventh round of the most recent draft, and I saw a mic'd up of uh, Marcel Darius talking to him a little bit. But, you know, the defensive line, I mean, really the big storylines is how is Josh Allen going to, you know, improve? What what are we going to be getting out of Taven Bryan? And, and, you know, 
Last of all, when is Unique going to come back? Yeah, of course. That's the big storyline, no doubt. I do think that this this defensive line is going to be good, even if Unique isn't there, which I, of course, think Unique will be there. And I, of course, think that they will be much, much better with him on the field, obviously. But I'm just saying, this defensive line's talented from top to bottom. It's just a talented group. That's the way it is. Laurenti McCray, he's a guy not a lot of people talk about a lot. He's been doing good with pass rush stuff. He's gotten some starting time with Unique Ngakwe away. Uh, one guy that I think needs to kind of step up, put up or shut up, is our guy, Dewan Smoot, unfortunately. He hasn't been great. I, I don't think he's been terrible, but he needs to kind of make more of an impact as Detone Jones is doing. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I noticed just from, you know, seeing Instagram and stuff, it seems like DeWan Smoot's gotten a little thicker. Is he exclusively playing the, the bend, big end spot, or has he been moving uh, into the interior at all? Like, where, where have they been lining him up at? I've noticed him at defensive end a lot. It's possible he's moved inside, but I haven't noticed it. Yeah, I mean, he's just, it seems like he's kind of struggling to find – where he needs to get his body at just because he seems like a tweener um you know kind of in between a defensive end and defensive tackle and you know, i'll definitely root for him to make the team but i mean you know i don't i don't think he has a single sack if he has a sack he might have one but he doesn't yeah it's just you know sometimes you eventually kind of fall into those like Taven Bryan kind of fell into one last year but i don't i don't know like i'd like to see hopefully we can get some more out of dewan smooth obviously he's a good dude but um yeah, I mean, well, I don't, I don't know what to expect out of him, but you know, it's a lot of defensive line talk. Now, one, you know, we know the defensive line is good. One thing that I mentioned in my most recent video that I'm a little bit skeptical about is the is the linebacker position. Um, I mean, when you look at the roster, we only have two linebackers on the team this year that were on the team in 2018. That being Miles Jack and Leon Jacobs. You know, they cut bait with guys like Blair Brown and Donald Payne. They they brought in a bunch of uh, a bunch of free agents with guys like Najee Good, um, DJ Alexander, and you know they obviously drafted Quincy Williams in the third third round of the 2019 NFL draft, and you know many project him to be the starting weak side linebacker after Telvin Smith announced that he's going to take a one year hiatus. So I mean, with the linebacker position, man, I mean, I guess a big story is between. You know, we know Miles Jack. We know, we know all about him. He's on the field 100% of the time. But another guy at the weak side linebacker position that's going to be on the field 100% of the time is, you know, maybe Quincy Williams. I mean, how, how's, the new, how's the new linebacker been looking? Quincy Williams has been on the field for almost every single rep with the ones on the defensive side of the ball. And he's looked really good. Um, it's been all about him, honestly. A lot of talk has been about him at linebacker. He's been fun to watch. His instincts have been on point. Uh, there's been just several plays where he had to hold himself back from really kind of laying into Leonard Fournette, which is obviously a battle that would be really fun to see. Um, but Doug Marone said it. This guy might be the fastest guy on the field. He flies from sideline to sideline. He flies to the ball. And I'm going to go ahead and make a bold prediction. And I know this is this is high praise, but I've been watching the guy. I think he could be the Darius Leonard, a.k.a. the Defensive Rookie of the Year in 2019. Dang. I think 
That that is a bold prediction from stumping the bus at the draft uh, to all of a sudden defensive uh, rookie of the year. But I mean, I, I mean, I'm excited about him. And if if he does turn out to be that great of a player, I mean, how smart would the Jaguars look? Uh, you know, especially after no one really knew about him uh, coming out of the draft. And you know, one thing that drove me nuts was after we drafted him, and you know, not many people knew he was. Oh, this was a bad pick. This is a horrible pick. I would have gone after. This guy who I've heard them talk about on ESPN and I've seen play in the SEC. But, uh, I mean, I- I'm rooting for him just because I always love these small school prod, you know, prospects that don't really get much attention and all of a sudden turn into something, especially, you know, like a guy like Darius Leonard. He kind of came out of nowhere. But, I mean, Quincy Williams, I mean, he's he's the guy who played before him was quick and all over the field. So, um, hopefully, hopefully Quincy can emulate that a little bit. Look. He's going to have some mistakes his rookie year. Every rookie does. But the weak side linebacker position is not one of the most mentally challenging positions on the defense. In fact, it's, it might be the easiest position, really, in terms of you're just see ball, get ball. That's all you got to do. And obviously, it's not entirely that simple. But for the most part, that's what the weak side linebacker is there to do. He can run sideline to sideline. He can shoot the gap. He can do everything physically that Telvin Smith could do, and it looks like he has the instincts and natural football ability to do it. He's got me fired up. Yeah, and a lot of, a lot of the weak side linebacker position is just kind of reading what the different players in the offense do. Like, okay, this tight end goes there. I've got to go here. Or if this running back shows this, that's where I go. So, I mean, you're right. It's really a position where you just kind of fly out to the ball. And, I mean, I'm, I haven't really seen much film of him at Murray State just because it's kind of hard to find, you know, film like that. But, I mean, he's a guy that I'm going to be looking out for a lot in the preseason, and it'd be, it'd be cool to see him, you know, kind of running all over the field. But uh, what about what about some of the other spots? I mean, the the strong side linebacker spot, the Sam spot, I mean, is is Leon Jacobs out there taking all the, uh, number, all the reps with the number ones, or is another guy kind of in the mix at that spot? He's gotten a lot of it. I think that he'll be the guy there. I don't think it really matters all that much because I think they're going to be in nickel 70% of the time this year. Uh, I just think that's the way the NFL is trending. I think that's the way the Jaguars are trending. Like, think about it this way. You got a dominant defensive line that should be really good against the run this year. Miles Jack and Quincy Williams, you're going to feel really confident about their run defense. You're going to feel really confident about Jared Wilson and Ronnie Harrison and run defense. Put DJ Hayden on the field, and he's a talented player. He can blitz. He can cover. Just get him on the field as much as you can, in my opinion. Yeah, and you also you also look at the first two games of the Jaguars are playing the Chiefs week one. You would think they're going to be a nickel probably probably maybe even 90 percent of that game i mean they're they're always got their passing sets out there then they got the houston texans the week after that and obviously they got a good aerial attack so i mean you know the nickel is definitely uh definitely a important kind of set for us and a strong side linebacker isn't getting a lot of play in that but i mean what about what about miles jack has he been looking uh his old self yeah jack's gonna be good this year of course, you want him to be better than good. You want him to like kind of get into that very good to great level this year in year four. He wants it. I mean, he's in a contract year. Let's not forget about that. He's going to be one of those guys, in my opinion, 
that has their best year of their career in a contract year. And I think he's going to ball out. He's He's got all the talent in the world to do it. He's got the work ethic to do it. I think he has a different demeanor this year. Like, he's going for greatness this year. Yeah, I mean, and he's going to – I mean, if he has a good year, I mean, he's going to get he's gonna get a lot of money. I mean, C.J. Mosley uh, signed to a deal <laughs> – Time to a pretty lucrative deal over on the Jets. I mean, he's making more than Le'Veon Bell did. So, I mean, obviously the middle linebacker position's uh, getting treated very highly. And, you know, he's kind of a guy that gets overlooked just because everyone's kind of looking at the Yannick Ngakwe contract situation. You know, Jalen Ramsey's rolling up to practice in Brinks trucks. And, you know, Miles Jack's a lot more of a humble guy. But, I mean, uh, hopefully this isn't the last year's on the Jaguars just because he's such a likable person, you know, such a great player. But, um, you know, Miles Jack, definitely, definitely a big favorite of mine. Yeah, I think he's going to have a big year. I think the linebackers are going to have a big year. I just think the Jaguars defense is going to have a big year. There's too much talent not to, and too much pride from last season being a disappointment not to. Now the last group we've got here, we've got safe or cornerback and safety. So we got the defensive backs. Ramsey, he's been on another plane, another planet. He's just – he's the best cornerback in football. You can't tell me there's another cornerback better than him. I don't want to hear you talk about Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, he made a great play against Blake Bortles. Big whoop. Jalen Ramsey, best corner in the league. He's going to show it this year. And, uh, you know, Folst, he's just rarely been able to complete a pass when Ramsey's been in the area. Yeah, and, and the Ramsey is almost a guy that I – <laughs> it sounds weird, but almost like hate the love just because there's so many things about him that kind of drive me nuts. But I mean, he's just, I mean, he's a, he's a baller, man. I mean, I'd, I'd love to see him on the field with his mouthpiece just dangling, um, you know, kind of locking everybody down. I think the defense really like rallies around him. And, you know, I think, I think just a duo between him and Boye is just, it's such a, it's such a cool, it's such a cool dynamic there. And then, um, I mean, I guess with the, with AJ Boye being out, who's, who's been filling that spot over there? Seen a lot of Quentin Meeks, seen a lot of Trey Herndon. Meeks has had some struggles in my opinion, but I still think he he's pretty much a virtual lock to make the team. The team is really high on him. The coaches are really high on him. I think it would really take a collapse throughout training camp and preseason for him to not make it. Uh, Trey Herndon, he's a guy the coaches raved about last year. He has looked really good this year. A lot of pass breakups, big pass up pass breakup today in the two-minute drill I think he'll be the first backup on the outside and at nickel yeah then um what, what about what about our guy DJ Hayden I mean I always I always really liked him in their playing uh for the Jaguars I mean I thought you know, I obviously dealt with some turf toe issues but you know I thought when it comes when, it, when we moved on from Aaron Colvin and went to DJ Hayden I mean I I, I like I like DJ Hayden last year I, I didn't think uh there was much of a drop off there yeah, there was no drop-off at all, in my opinion. He's continued to show that he can rip blitz really well uh, coming from the nickelback spot. And then he's solid in coverage. He's a solid tackler. He's just a solid nickel corner. And playing with the rest of the guys on the Jaguars' defense makes him even better. A couple other guys, Savion Smith, he's been a popular name for like an undrafted free agent who could make the team. He hasn't done a whole lot, but he looks the part. He's a smart guy. Some of the teammates have talked about how smart he is. It'll be interesting to see if he can kind of break out over the next few weeks and and make an impact. 
one guy who has broken out, Breon Borders. He's had three picks so far, and he could be fighting for a spot on the 53 if that type of play continues. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess with the with the cornerback position, I guess everyone feels pretty good about that. But one position with the safeties, a lot of Jaguar fans, it's driving them nuts that Jared Wilson is going to be the starting free safety. You know, I think a lot of people like Ronnie Harrison, but... No, with your, uh, with you being out there at training camp, what do you, what how have you felt about Jared Wilson? Jared Wilson and Ronnie Harris are going to be just fine. They communicate great with each other. Jalen Ramsey's said that they're two of the smartest safeties he's ever been around. Which, of course, he just played with Barry Church and and Tashawn Gibson, who looked incredibly smart during the 2017 campaign. You know, they're both two solid veterans. So for him to be given high praise to Wilson and Harrison, I think it says a lot. And Wilson's a tall guy. People forget he's 6'2". He's tall. He's lengthy. He's rangier than people think. And he's a big hitter. He's always been a big hitter. So I just I think the Jaguar safeties are being very undervalued in terms of the starters. I think some people are kind of starting to realize that, starting to talk about it a little bit. Uh, and some people are kind of just complaining about the safety depth, which – I kind of get it, but Cody Davis and CJ Reeves have been fine. They're they're the primary backups at this point. They haven't been they haven't been really too exposed or anything like that. Uh, Fish Smithson, who the Jaguars signed last week, he's been pretty impressive since he got to Jacks at safety. So he's a guy I kind of like, and I don't think he'll make the team probably. But like you said last week you're not going to be perfect in terms of depth at every position. It's just not the way it works in the NFL. Uh, Since we got on the pod here, Trey Boston actually signed with the Panthers. So there's another safety off the market. So yeah, it's just one of those things. If the Jaguars don't feel like they need to add a safety, uh, a veteran safety right now, I think that's a pretty good indication that the safeties are going to be okay in terms of depth. Yeah, and I feel like with Ronnie Harrison and Jared Wilson, it almost seems like a it almost reminds me in a way, maybe not of like skill set, I, I should say right now, but um, almost personality wise, it's like it's like a Jalen Ramsey to an AJ Boye. You know, it seems like Ronnie Harrison is more the kind of showboater, kind of talker, um, while uh, you know, while Jared Hill, Jared Wilson's more of the kind of humble guy. So, and, and another thing that you know you kind of spoke about. Um, is I mean, I remember D.D. Westbrook actually came out in a article written by Pete Prisco about how, you know, some of the there were some guys that were kind of indiv- individualistic on the team last year. And um, that kind of hurt us. And I feel like, you know, that might have been kind of him talking about Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson. I mean, Barry Church didn't even finish out the season with the Jaguars. I mean, how often do you see? you know, a guy that's, you know, on a safety and a pretty good contributor go from, you know, he got benched, then he was put on inactive, then he was like cut. So you can probably say he was one of those guys that was probably a person that was kind of a head case. Um, Also like Tashawn Gibson, I mean, you know, I I don't, he always seemed like he was good in press conferences, but I could maybe see where he might be one of those guys. But, you know, it seems like right now you got a couple of hungry safeties back there that, you know, have tons of upside and, uh, I'm really, I'm really excited. I'm really excited with this group, especially honestly, Ronnie Harrison, because I think, I think Ronnie Harrison is just a special athlete, and I, I'm, I'm just excited to see what this, uh, what these new faces at the back of our defense can look like for us. Yeah, I think Ronnie Harrison can be like a star type of safety, 
maybe not top five in the league, but a top 10 guy at the safety position in the league. He could be better than that. Don't get me wrong, but that's just where I see it because there's a lot of really talented safeties out there. But Jared Wilson, as long as he can just be like a good starter, make some good plays, not give up too many bad plays, this defense is going to be great with those two safeties in the middle. Yeah, and I mean we got we got we all we know we have a good defensive line. We know we have good cornerbacks and that's good and you know I feel like I like the, you know, really feel good about the middle linebacker spot, but I mean really when your when your main question marks on a team are, you know, at the weak side linebacker, strong side linebacker and free safety, you know, I think I think you've got it pretty good. Right. And I think those questions are going to be answered by Quincy Williams and Jared Wilson. I think they're going to be nice answers to those questions. Um, Talking about special teams a little bit, Josh Lambeau, he had a rough outing on Sunday. He missed two makeable kicks in a a hurry-up offense type of drill where, where the Jaguars were trying to drive the ball down to the field to get into field goal range. Missed two makeable kicks, and then he responded on the next practice on Tuesday by nailing all nine of his attempts in teamwork, including three from 50-plus yards. So if anybody was worried about Josh Lambeau, I would put that to bed real quick. Yeah, uh, Logan Cook, the punter, monster leg, a little more consistency in his second year. He'll help the Jaguars have an advantage in field position for sure. He did that quite a lot last year. Of course, he did have some hiccups. But if he can be more consistent, that field position is going to be looking nice. I'm a little disappointed that you haven't gone into a breakdown of the long snapper. Oh, man, Matt Overton, best <laughs> player on the team. Dude, love it, love it. I mean, uh, you know, Carson Tinker, they, they were giving him the opportunity, but he couldn't stay healthy. But, um, yeah, I mean, with the, you know, with the, I, I, I feel completely comfortable with the kicker with Josh Lambeau, a.k.a. Jon Snow. And I also really like, um, I mean, you know, Logan Cook, Obviously, you know, he had his, he had some he showed some good things last year and he was a rookie. Maybe he had a little bit of inconsistencies, but you know, I mean, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing his second year and hopefully we don't see him on the field too often. Yeah, he actually not that it really matters, but maybe trick play or something like that. He can spin it in terms of throwing the football. I saw him you know, kickers and punters, half the time they're not doing anything, probably more than half the time. Yeah, but this guy playing over there on the field. <laughs> I literally saw him on the 40-yard line toss a pass. He was throwing it at the field goal post. It sailed through the field goal post from the 40-yard line. So that's a 50-yard throw, you know, if it landed at the field goal post. But it was still going. I think that was a 60, 65-yard pass. So I don't know. Maybe you could see something with that in the future. I mean, we we may or may not have some quarterback depth issues. So <laughs> <laughs> if they keep two quarterbacks, he might be the third guy. Yeah, Logan Cook for backup quarterback 2019. I like it. Hey, Spurrier, Spurrier did some kicking back in the day. So uh, you never you never know. Yeah. Now, DJ Chark, he looks like he's going to be the kick returner. D.D. Westbrook, he looks like he's going to be the punt returner. I absolutely don't have a problem with DJ Chark being the kick returner because he's good at it, for one. But for two, some people are talking, like, oh, you don't want to risk your starters on special teams. I don't think DJ Chark is good enough as a starting wide receiver to worry about him in terms of getting injured on special teams because he's so good at special teams. 
Yeah, and I, I wouldn't. I mean, he yeah, he is good at special teams. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even worry about you know having uh, D.D. Westbrook out there just because. I mean, uh, you look at some of the top kind of returners in history. I mean, even Maurice Jones Drew ran kicks ran kicks back for us. You know, back in the day. I mean, Deshaun Jackson was always a pretty good, uh, pretty good returner. So I mean, I'm not. I'm not. These guys are just as you know prone to injury coming in on a slant to the linebacker than they are uh, returning a punt or a kick. Yeah, and Didi is just a phenomenal punt returner. I don't think – I think that your team is not as good if Didi is not your punt returner, bottom line. Yeah, I mean, so he, he, he was the sole reason why we were even in that horrible game against the Washington Redskins last year where you had that uh, that punt return right before the half. But, yeah, I mean, let's get – put Didi out there, at, you know, at punt return. He's, he's a natural, and – you know, I think, I mean, he could even turn into a potential Pro Bowl or just that punt returner. Yeah, he's got the skills for sure. Um, that's going to pretty much do it for this show. I guess one thing I could talk about here is kind of Doug Marone has been a lot more lenient in terms of how practice has been, like in terms of intensity. So it's been all early practices, which the players really enjoy. It gives them more free time in the afternoon, more time to get into the classroom and then get home. So they like that a lot. Uh, and that's something that Doug and the players talked about, some of the leaders on the team. So that's been pretty cool to see just how Doug is kind of changing his approach. And part of that, too, in terms of uh, they've been kind of building up in terms of intensity in practice. Part of that, too, is injury prevention. Doug Marone did quite a bit of work in the offseason looking at injury prevention because of how many injuries the Jaguars suffered last year. So they're very conscious of that this year, and they're working hard to make sure that's not an issue. Uh, I think I forgot to mention Brandon Linder didn't practice today. So I think that's an injury prevention type of move, like a vet move, just giving him a vet day off. He was working on the side, so it's not like he wasn't there. But So that that's one thing that Doug Marone's been very conscious of. And then he's also talked about the situational work that the Jaguars really struggled in a lot of situational type stuff last year. And they've been working extensively on situational, situational football, whether it be, like I talked about before, doing the hurry-up offenses or doing the red zone work. The Jaguars have been focusing a lot more on that this training camp and I think it's smart yeah and I think he's bringing down the intensity a little bit because I remember um you know obviously when he came in 2017 the team was super undisciplined and he came in there and you know kind of kicked them butt kicked their butts and got them back in uh got them back you know focused and you know really um you know just just a lot more discipline and then that led us to a 10 and 6 regular season and got us into the AFC championship game I think he tried to replic- replicate that in 2018. And, you know, at that point, I mean, they'd already gone through the, you know, brutal, you know, 2017 training camp. And then, you know, I'm sure some players didn't really like that. So um, I like how he does have an ability to learn. I like how he I like how he listens to the players and, you know, and the vets and kind of hears what they have to say, because, you know, the veterans are kind of his gateway to the pulse of the team. Um, you know, he's kind of hearing that through the veterans and through the captains. And, uh, I mean, I think Doug Brown's a good coach. I mean, he's shown he's been, he's been a head coach of two different NFL teams. He has, he has 
had winning seasons with both those teams with the Bills and Jaguars. And those are two underperforming franchises that aren't really haven't been used to success. So um, I, I like Doug Marone. Um, and we'll see we'll see what he has this year for the Jaguars, man. I mean, I'm, I'm just I'm just so fired up for the season to start. Yeah, I am too. I agree he's a good coach. I think that he received a lot of unfair criticism last year. Maybe some of it was fair, but the fact of the matter is that he's making adjustments this year. He's trying to be a better coach. And I think he's I think he's a good football mind. I'm happy to have him here in Jacksonville. Obviously, the 2019 season will kind of really determine where we're at with Doug Marone. You know, it'll be his It'll be his third year as the team's head coach. Maybe make or break, maybe not. We'll see how it goes. I kind of think that the Jaguars need to need to get into the playoffs for him to stick around. And I think that he's got a good shot of getting them there. But as I said, that's going to pretty much do it for the show. I'd like to thank Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jag podcast. You can find them online at boldcitybrewery.com and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. You can check them out at their tap room in downtown on East Bay Street or in Riverside on Roselle. Thank you for listening, Duval. We appreciate the support as always. Make sure to follow UCF Jaguar on Twitter and subscribe to his channel on YouTube at UCF Jaguar and then on Twitter at UCF underscore Jaguar. You can follow me at Jordan DeLugo on Twitter. I will be talking training camp until, until training camp's over. I've been tweeting a lot about it, so you can check me out again at Jordan DeLugo. You can follow the show on Instagram at Generation Jaguar and on Facebook at Generation Jaguar and on Twitter at Generation Jag. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend, Duval. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.